0: Warm Weather Fans is brought to you by Zencaster. As you can hear at the beginning of each episode, we use Zencaster to record and host all of our podcast episodes, and the platform is incredibly easy and user-friendly. Users can record up to 4K video quality and high-quality audio with just the click of a button, as you can hear from our episodes. Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes any feedback in your recording and gives each user their own dedicated audio stream. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with just the click of a button. So now go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my promo code WARM and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and recording needs. It's time to share your story with Zencaster. Welcome everybody into another edition of Warm Weather Fans, the Sun Belt Podcast. Uh, I am Brian Stone, joined once again this week by Zeke Palermo and Matt Miguez. Uh, Want to start off with Zeke? How, how's it going, Zeke? How you doing?
1: It, it's going great. Flying high as always, just, you know, taking it day by day, nothing to complain about, ready to, ready to talk some football, man.
0: So I figured I'd I'd save Matt for a second because I can throw it over to he he has come up with a a prompt to talk about the age gap between the two of us and Zeke. So Matt, feel free to take it away,
2: gentlemen. Good evening. Um, hope everybody is is doing well over in the land of Bourbon for for Mister Stone and the land of peaches uh, for Mister Palermo. Uh, but so tonight, look over the last week or so these guys have always been popular but they have soared in popularity since they appeared at the vmas out of absolutely nowhere uh so zeke my my question for you is a have you ever heard of nsync yes of course
1: i've heard of nsync
2: and, and question number two how many nsync songs can you name
1: so that's a great question because, in my mind, "In Sync" and Backstreet Boys are, are very same? They're are the same. I'm not certain which one Justin Timberlake was in. I think NSYNC. he was in. Okay, "In Sync." Um, they have "Bye Bye Bye."
2: Uh huh. Okay, so that's one.
1: And I'm really stalling out after this. Um, I'm certain I've heard more "In Sync," but. I think the better question is, who's watching the VMAs still?
2: Um, t- okay, so let me – I didn't watch the VMAs.
1: Sure, all right.
2: It popped up on TikTok.
1: Right, right, right.
2: Yeah, I, I mean I don't I, – I couldn't even tell you where MTV is on my channel guy. Like I, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but – so no. So Bye 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 is obviously their, their most popular one. Right, uh, then you have it's gonna be me.
1: Yes, Justin okay. Bieber
2: gets made. I mean, J- Justin Bieber, Justin Timberlake gets made fun of all the time for the way yeah. he said "me" in that song. Uh, you have tearing up my heart.
1: Never heard that song. It, okay, I'm writing it down now. I'm writing it down now, fellas. Do we need tearing just up my heart?
0: A, I was about to say, Matt, are you going to sing like a
2: sample of it to see if he's if
0: no, he's I'm him. not.
2: I'm not gonna subject myself to the, to that level of whatever. I only know like, the
0: chorus to that song. It was just one of those that it was like an earworm right. that I just that, that, that
2: one song. line was super catchy, right? And
1: well, look, so, I gotta ask though. So obviously, the boy bands of my generation, it's One Direction, uh-huh. and when you, I was in like middle school, right, that's when One Direction. If, by the way,
2: was- give them their props. Fantastic group.
1: Well, we're I was going to say, as a kid, when I first heard it, it was like, ew, gross boy band. I don't want any of that. But now, as I've matured and, like, actually understood, pretty dang good music. Was no, that the same sentiment around, like, In Sync and the Backstreet oh, yeah. Boys was, you know, it, really anti, but then we come to realize they were pretty good?
0: No, no, it was a bigger deal, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, there, I guess what One Direction went through is, like, It it was a thing for a while where, like, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were just sort of what people listened to. And, like, Mm -hmm. One Direction I felt like kind of suffered a little bit of boy band fatigue because they had come on so far after. But, Matt, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Like, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, like,
2: oh, yeah. In, in In the 90s, the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were like Taylor Swift today. Mm hmm. Just absolute megastars could do no wrong. Like Justin Timberlake would tell you, he would never be where he is today if it wasn't for the success he had with the Backstreet Boys or with NSYNC. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> right.
0: I've, got, I've got two things really quick. We can transition to football off of this. Number one, they were so, they were such a big deal that they performed the Super Bowl halftime show. With Michael Jackson and Britney Spears one year, so oh like that, that yeah. should pretty much tell you like where they were. And number <laughs> two,
1: when
0: when you're like Backstreet Boys and Sync thought they were the same thing. That was like confusing the Bloods and the Crips. Like to be totally Oof. honest, like that was that was like saying yeah, they're just gangs. Like who cares? Like it's all the same deal. It's not oh, really yeah. how it works. It's, it's it's just five
2: boys wearing leather singing songs. Like. All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, let's get to football. And just for just for uh, d- Matt, I, I'm going to ask you this too, Zeke. I, I guess you don't have an opinion. I was more of a Backstreet Boys fan in the day. I don't know about you.
2: I I don't know, man. Look, the ba- Backstreet Boys put out some bangers. Don't get me wrong, but man go watch the bye 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 music video and you just have a newfound respect for guys getting hung up on wires and dancing like puppets it's i mean it was absolutely incredible you you can't not love i have to give a slight edge to nsync i just
0: i i remember i just wore out that millennium album by backstreet boys oh, yeah it mean, was just like bangers like the NSYNC had a better run, I think, when you look at the whole thing, but that album was just literally like almost like a Backstreet Boys greatest hits album, I think. So anyway, uh let's transition off of that uh to actual football games. Um I wanna start off with uh, a noon kickoff last week. Uh you guys are probably gonna get a kick out of this. I'm just absolutely gonna torch Georgia Southern for how the way that they lost to Wisconsin, uh, I don't know if you guys read uh-huh. the recap that I wrote. Uh, you will never see one player lose in a team lose a game for a football team the way that Davis Brin sold the team out on Saturday. He threw five picks. He had an inner. He had a fumble in the in the Wisconsin red zone when they had a chance to to pull within seven late in the third quarter. That ended up going back the other way. Wisconsin scores. Game's totally dead. It's over at that point. Honestly, the recap I wrote is not too much more than that because that was the entire game. I mean, they were in it up through his fourth interception that he threw. So, like, to throw four and be like, we're still in a seven-point game against a Big Ten school, and then to just go out and turn the ball over two more times after that, is just, I mean, it's egregious. Like you can't, you can't survive that, and and they're not going to be able to survive that even when Sunbelt play starts. Much less, you know, playing a, a Big Ten school on the road. So does
1: this move the needle for you, Brian, on Davis Brin? Because I remember last year Kyle Van had a similar game against Georgia State, and had he not thrown five interceptions in that game, they probably put would have won. So does this move the needle for you on Brin?
0: Yeah, I I think so, because, number one, I think he should be on thin ice from here on out, honestly, as the starter. I think they should have someone ready to go at a moment's notice. You know, a baseball analogy, they should be looking to the bullpen for some guys to get warm, to be totally honest. I mean, I wrote this in my recap. Uh, Two years ago, he had his most mistake-prone season as a quarterback. He threw 16 interceptions at Tulsa in 2021. He's almost thrown half of that in three games this year, so that should kind of tell you where we're at as far as that goes. A lot of what Van Trees went through was in that game specifically, where guys dropping balls, receivers tipping the ball in the air, getting it picked off, that type of stuff. That this was just Davis Bryn throwing the ball to the wrong team. I mean there was there was no way around it. I'm in a I'm in a group chat with a couple other Georgia Southern alums, and we were like. Did he put in red tinted contact lenses before this started? Does he think everybody's wearing red? Like, what, what's going on? So, I mean, there were times where he was just throwing the ball where there, there were no receivers. Like he was just throwing the ball to red jerseys, and it was like, what, where are you going with that? But, so, I think that they need to give, uh, start giving backups some some first team snaps in practice. And if this keeps up, I think you got to yank him because. You know, look at the two teams they've beaten so far. It's not, they're really not up to Sunbelt competition. So when games start to matter, I don't know how you can survive with a guy who is Brett Favre, but without all of the MVP stuff to weigh him down. You know, like how Brett Favre could throw you into a game. Imagine if you just had Jameis Winston without the 30 touchdowns. You know? Yeah. So, I I mean, that's sort of where this game sits. Um, Again, Wisconsin didn't look good. They didn't impress me as a team. I mean, they let Georgia Southern hang around way longer than they probably should have. But, again, the story of this game for both sides was Davis Sprint throwing all the interceptions because if he doesn't, then Wisconsin doesn't have a chance to get into the game and, and get a lead. And Georgia Southern, that was the whole thing. I mean, they, again, they they refuse to run the football for whatever reason, even when it works. So when you are saying, okay, we have to throw the ball 52 times in a game that's separated by 14 or fewer points for most of it. There's only so many things, so many different ways that could go. So I don't know, man, like I said, I, this does move the needle for me. Um, I mean, JC French is throwing the ball four times all season. Including he played us our series in this game, didn't throw the ball one time. So I I don't know. I, I think I think next year you might want to like really vet any potential guys that are coming in that want to play quarterback better than they did with Bryn at this stage. Um with that, Wisconsin moves to two and one, Georgia Southern drops to two and one. Um let's get into this next game here. Wake Forest took a long time to edge out old dominion uh i kept checking the score of this game old dominion's up 17 nothing at the end of the, at the end of half uh then they're up 24 to 13 at the end of the third quarter i'm like old dominion's gonna run away with this game and then Wake comes out throws two touch or you know two touchdown passes in the fourth quarter and old dominion can't answer and that's the ball game um You know, a solid game by Old Dominion, but Matt, I want you to jump in here. So, we talked about Wilson last week, the quarterback for the Monarchs. Even though they were in this game and held a lead for a lot of it, not a great passing day. 11 of 26, you know, way below 50%. So, would you sort of chalk the loss up to him, or would you say that it's more on the defense for allowing two touchdowns in the fourth quarter?
2: I think it's got to be a little bit of both because I think when you look at a guy like Grant Wilson, obviously Old Dominion wants him to to be a better passer than that, but they knew when they recruited him that that wasn't his strength. He's a dual threat guy. His strength is grinding out extra yards and, and you know make keeping drives alive. And I think you got to give credit to Wake Forest. They did a really good job of of snuffing that out. Um, you know, we've talked about the fact that we all agree that sacks impacting your rushing yards is just absolutely stupid. Um, I mean, Grant Wilson had 14 carries for negative 51 yards with a longest run of 12 yards. Like, that's so dumb. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. I think oh, you, you may have expected a, a stronger second half from Old Dominion's defense, but then you also have to give credit to Wake Forest defense for – Making second half adjustments and keeping Old Dominion out of the end zone because this was a 17 to nothing football game at halftime. Uh, So, but I I think one thing that this performance did, regardless of, of the stats or the way it shook out, I know at least for me, it made me feel better about the way the Cajuns performed against Old Dominion. So I was like, okay, well, Old Dominion might not be as bad as we thought going in. Because we looked at them last year, you know, three and nine, they struggled to get those three wins. And it's like, okay, well, you know, they're not very good. Um, But I I think they showed on Saturday that they might be better than a lot of people give them credit for uh, and credit to Ricky Ronnie and their coaching staff. Um, But yes, to to round it out, I really think it's a little bit of both. Um, You you could obviously hope for better out of your quarterback, but you have to give credit to the other side as well. Zeke, I
0: want to ask you, Um, would you say seeing this final result, you know, I know we don't cover ACC teams, but like we're, we're strictly a Sunbelt production, but would you say you're more encouraged by the way old dominion played or maybe disappointed by the effort that wake forest gave for about what three full quarter, three and a half quarters of football?
1: Uh, I think it's a, certainly a disappointment for wake forest because Uh, no, none of the three of us are really high on what old dominion can be. Uh, and so wake forest should have come out from the gun and and trampled the, the monarchs like they did in kind of in the back half of the third and the fourth quarter. I mean, if you, you look, they scored all, all 27, uh, of their points in the second half. If they score even twice, the, this game isn't nearly as in the first half, not even nearly as close as this game. So I think Old Dominion, if anything, outperformed expectation here to to hang around. But Wake Forest did did a very poor job in in asserting that they were the clearly better team here, and and moving forward to to their games moving on. When you get to that ACC schedule, which I'd say by and large, maybe every I'd venture to say every ACC team is probably better than Old Dominion. It could get hairy because you can't play; you're not going to play teams. Like old Dominion that are just going to sputter out like a bad lawnmower uh, after a really good half.
2: Yeah, what I, I mean, an analogy there! <laughs> well done, Zeke.
1: I've been sitting on that one all weekend, man. I, I, because wow. I, I mean, we were watching this game and keeping an eye on the score. It, it just, it hit me on Saturday, and I was like, oh, ho, ho, I could taste it, taste it <laughs> as soon as it came to my mind.
0: Uh, I will say, uh, I know I touched on this a little bit, but I. I I do mean what I say when I say, if you're Grant Wilson, you can't take these types of games into the rest of the Sunbelt conference play. I know he played well against uh, the Cajuns, but you can't be going 11 of 26 in games that that really matter, you know, for the outcome of what they want to do conference-wise. So, you know, credit to them for, for being able to jump out ahead of Wake uh I know Wake is probably a more talented overall team just because of the the disparity between the ACC and and the Sunbelt but yeah I I agree I think Wake needs to be a little discouraged by the way this played out but ultimately they pick up the win Wake continues on their 3 and 0 Old Dominion drops to 1 and 2 this season this this next one was a game that when we were doing our picks I I said it you you don't often get softballs like this game which was Appalachian State East Carolina where App is favored by nine and a half East Carolina just got their doors blown off and then they have to go to Boone and play and guess what they lost by 15 it was it it was that simple I mean it was Appalachian State just absolutely outclassed them uh Joey Aguilar threw three touchdowns um the quarterback play at East Carolina leaves a lot to be desired after, after the last two weeks when they've played Sunbelt schools. Um, Zeke, do you have any sort of thing to throw in here? Actually, I was, I went back and listened cause I, I, I told you guys before I started what about having to go back and write our picks down. One of the things you said was if Nate Noel goes crazy, they probably win this game easy. And he did. So Zeke, would you like to talk about just a little bit of what Nate Noel gave them?
1: I mean, he's just been consistently this season uh, one of the best running backs, in, not just in the conference, but in the country, at least from a production standpoint. He, he's a crazy talented running back, and, and we know that Joey Aguilar, um, admittedly, his, his completion percentage is a little shaky. It's sub-60. You don't love that. But we know that this team can pass the ball, and, and we've seen that over the past three, four years and it, it's just a matter of like can you like you were talking about with Georgia Southern it's like if you can't change the tempo if you can't slow it down at any point it's just at some point it's going to it's going to fall off and so uh, Nate Noel is crucial what this team does and as long as he's rushing for 200 yards i think they're going to keep winning games
2: so you brought up Nate Noel's production Just out of curiosity, does anybody want to try their hand at where he ranks nationally in rushing yards?
1: I think I know this one. Um, I believe he is four.
2: Okay, close. Brian? Four national. Seven. Okay, so seven and four. He's second. Wow. 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 He's second nationally, 420 yards on the ground through three games. The only running back that has more yards than him is Audric Esteem from Notre Dame, who is already at 521. Ooh. But also, I, was, they played uh, in week
0: zero, so they've played four games. I was listening to a podcast earlier, and they said that the guy from Notre Dame is averaging 4.5 yards after contact.
2: He's he's nasty, man. He's nasty. nasty.
0: Higher averages. There's
2: 4.5. Also, Zeke, you'll be pleased to know this. There is a Georgia State running back up there as well. Uh,
1: Because it's it's Marcus Carroll, right? He's fourth.
2: He's fourth. he's
1: tied with another Sunbelt rusher who would be Vidal, right? Monty Monty Vidal. Vidal. Hey, shout out Sunbelt, man. Sunbelt on top.
2: Three running backs in the top ten. In the top five. yeah, Yeah, true.
1: That's crazy.
2: Very, very fair point. Uh I mean, Matt,
0: we talked about how easy we, we all thought this game was gonna be oh, as yeah. far as app coming oh, out yeah. ahead. Do you sort of have anything else to kick in? I mean, we like I said, this was never this was never one that was in doubt. I mean,
2: look, I'll I'll say this. I'll I'll give credit to App. They they did exactly what they were supposed to do. Uh, you know, you went into an in-state game. I don't know if I'd call it a rivalry game, but I mean, it's an in-state game. Um, and you took care of business. You didn't let them get a jump on you in your house. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. You didn't get cute. You stuck to the game plan. Nate Noel dominated. The defense did their job and you got a convincing win against a team that is in a higher conference than you. Um, the air quotes around that because it's just not true. Uh, but anyways, I, I mean, yeah, credit credit to App. They were, they were able to get the job done, and uh, that's important early on in the season. So I want to open
0: I, I, this one. I want to say this, and then I want to kind of open the floor to you guys. Is the next I, game Louisiana? No, no, I still want to talk about mm-hmm. App real quick. Um, okay. I have a question for both of you. And, you know, either one of you can go first or second or whatever. Through three games, Joey Aguilar has obviously emerged as the starting quarterback for App. The way that he's played through these first three games, are you guys willing to go out on a limb and say that he will be the reason that Sean Clark is still employed there in 2024? Because think about it, you had the idea was to throw Ryan Berger out there and it Frankly, it didn't work. I mean, he didn't play very well in the opener. And then he hurts his hand and Aguilar comes in as what he was a Juco transfer, I believe. And so he has really been the one that's kept sort of the passing game together. We knew Nate Noel was good, but you still need the threat of being able to throw the ball. So are we saying that he might be the reason why Sean Clark is still there next year?
1: I'm going to say no, because I think it's Nate Noel and not Aguilar. Uh, Aguilar has been really good for them. He's been, you know, as good as you need a backup quarterback to be right. He's not what we kind of expected from Berger. Uh, And as I mentioned before, the sub 60 completion percentage is is a little, a little scary, but it it's Nate Noel. I mean, like Matt said, he's second in the country in rushing and without him, I don't think app is, is nearly as good as they are. And, I don't think they win as many games as they have thus far.
2: I would agree with Zeke. Um, I, I think it's Nate Noel uh, just because of the the pure dominance that he's been able to have from a rushing standpoint. And uh, not to take anything away from Joey Aguilar, he's stepped in after not being the guy to start the season and has been very productive and very efficient. Uh, but in my, you know, outside looking in opinion. I think that App State hasn't given up on Ryan Berger yet. I don't know. I don't know that this is solely Joey Aguilar's job in 2023. I think it's going to be a situation like you mentioned earlier, Brian, with Georgia Southern. If if Davis Brin screws up, you want to have somebody ready. I think Sean Clark's looking at Ryan Berger going, look, man, if, if things go south, we need you to be ready. So uh, Joey Aguilar better be very careful uh, with some of the decisions he makes going forward, especially as you get into sub-belt play.
0: Well, one of the reasons I said that was, I mean, let me just read off Aguilar's stat so far this year. He's completing almost 60% of his passes. He has 690 yards passing this season, and he's got nine touchdowns to just two picks. So I think through three games, those are pretty good numbers. Um, speaking from a place of having a quarterback that has a, what, five to seven touchdown to interception ratio, I think those are pretty good numbers. So I think that, like you said, it can be Noel can be the reason, but you still have to have that passing element. You know, they don't run one of those unique offenses where they can just run the ball 60, 70 times a game and just get out of there without throwing a pass. So I, I think he deserves some credit for being able to sort of Help the passing game progress because it wasn't looking good early in the season. But anyway, App State moves to two and one with the win. East Carolina drops to zero and three. This next one will be a quick one. We can bounce through. Um, I will say I'm never letting you guys talk me out of a a Power Five big spread again because you've done it now twice with Oklahoma and now you did it with Texas A&M last week. Texas A&M absolutely. Demolishes UL Monroe forty-seven to three at Kyle Field. Um, this one was never close. Um, Connor Wegman three thirty-seven only only missed on four of his twenty-nine attempts. Uh, Jaya Wright was technically the leading passer for UL Monroe, but he was six of fifteen for ninety-five yards. Not not great. Uh, they couldn't do anything offensively, and. Um, by about the third quarter, Texas A&M had kind of just taken their foot off the gas because they had backup Max Johnson in by that point. Um, so yeah, I mean, not a lot to say about this one. Again, I will not be discouraged again because you guys did it twice, and I won't. I won't have it a third time. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, can't get fooled again. So I'm going
1: to keep trying, Brian. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to. I'm going to keep doing it, man.
0: So anyway. Uh, Ewell Monroe drops to 2-1. Texas A&M improves to 2-1. Another game that was easy on the surface, Tulane beat Southern Miss 21-3. Uh, anybody with a set of eyeballs knew that Tulane was a better team than Southern Miss. Uh, Southern Miss still struggles on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they could not do anything, and honestly – I don't really understand what the deal is with Frank Gore so far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 13 carries for 16 yards in this one. Nobody could really run the ball but I, he especially I don't I don't really understand what the what the problem is so far. Um but Matt you know, were there any surprises? I mean, I know Tulane started it in play again, uh, but they absolutely just kind of manhandled the uh the, Man, goal.
2: the- the future is bright for Tulane if Kai Horton's the backup, uh because he hosts Ole Miss the weekend before, nearly beats them, probably should have beaten them, um, and, and then goes on the road to Hattiesburg and, like you mentioned, just articulately dominated Southern Miss. Now, you know, say what you want about Southern Miss, whether you thought they were going to be a good team this year or not, but for you to come in as a backup and play the last two weeks the way that you have, it has been incredibly impressive. And and I agree with you on the whole Frank Gore thing. I'm really not understanding what Will Hall's doing. Um, I mean, Frank Gore has been the backbone of your offense for the last two years, if not more, and it, it just feels like he's non-existent. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what's going on, but if Southern Miss wants to even somewhat compete in the Sunbelt West, they need to figure it out and they need to figure it out quickly.
0: Zeke, to just put it in context, Frank Gore, these are his season stats. This isn't a single game. These are, this is for the season. He has 30 carries for the whole year. He's averaging basically 10 carries a game. He has 76 rushing yards for the season. And has one touchdown, he's averaging two and a half yards per carry. So I understand that, you know, they want to get, I guess, Billy Wiles some game reps and get him get his feet wet and all that sort of stuff. This is a guy that in Frank Gore that ran for thirteen hundred yards last season.
1: Yeah, what, this is what
0: do you sort of think the issue is?
1: It I wish I could diagnose it. Um I will say he left the game in the second half with an undisclosed foot injury, left or right, we don't know. But um, that could be something here, right? That that there's been something nagging him in his feet. Um, eh, but realistically, this he's just lost the touch, it would appear, uh, which is scary because um, I certainly overreacted when Southern Miss dropped 44 on Alcorn State. I thought they had kind of figured it out um, offensively, but they still don't have a quarterback. Billy Wiles just isn't that guy, uh, un- unfortunately. And without Frank Gore, it, it's not a one-dimensional offense, right? It's a, it's zero-dimensional. Um, and so uh, I, I was encouraged that we saw an uptick in carries over the past three weeks. It's been a 6, then 11, then 13. Um, so they're, they're trying to include him in the offense more, but he's just for whatever reason, lost that touch. And I don't think anybody is going to know until some sort of news breaks that, you know, he's been running with the twos or that, you know, this injury to his foot has been nagging him since, since the off season until then, I think it's just going to be one of those, you know, where, where in the world was Frank Gore kind of moments.
0: Yeah, so with that, Tulane moves to two and one this season. Southern Miss drops to one and two. Zeke, I'm going to let you sort of break this one down. This is this was your game. Uh, Georgia State defeated Charlotte 41 25, avenged the loss from last season. Uh, Darren Granger had himself a hell of a game. So, do you want to talk a little bit about that and sort of what you saw transpire in that one?
1: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I know, I and I apologize to you guys and our listeners, last week my recap of the the Georgia State game was this team doesn't know how to play third down defense, and I just kind of yelled about that into my my mic for two minutes. They, against, admittedly, Charlotte going into this game was a bottom 10 third down offense in the country, but the 49ers were 3-14 on third downs, and that was ultimately the biggest change. Darren Granger has been, like, his name is floating around in, in you know, the top 15 quarterbacks in, in, in the country this year. Whether or not you believe it or not, that's, that's a different conversation. But he's shown that what was previously a wily and unruly arm, he's really narrowed it down and picking and choosing his spots, and he's hitting guys 30, 40 yards downfield consistently. On top of that, between him and Marcus Carroll, uh, you know, that's probably the scariest quarterback running back rushing duo we have at least in the Sun Belt, so so the offense is there, and uh, we f- they figured out the the one thing that was holding them up defensively, and that was third downs. Uh, again, it, it concerns uh it concerns me moving forward because Charlotte was a bottom 10 3rd down offense in the country, uh, and they Georgia State we'll talk about later plays Coastal on Thursday. Coastal also not a great third down offense. So even if Georgia State comes out and does another performance like they did against Charlotte, which again was four of 13, three of 14 on third downs, if they get another type of performance like that again, they're again not playing one of the better third down offenses. So it, it, it's you know, bite your tongue, wait till we see more proven results. But I think this team is looking after the disaster of last season. is starting to look pretty good because they've got the offense and the defense is good enough to, you know, keep them under 40 points, you know the offense will get you 41. The
0: th- The area of concern that I had, and-, and we talked about this in the in the season preview, was not Darren Granger's ability to push the ball down the field. It was his ability to hit the easy ones that he made look so difficult. So do you think that you've seen improvement in that? Because I remember specifically a number of games last year where they would throw a swing pass to the running back or, or screen or something like that, and he would just overshoot a guy on like what should be a really easy completion. So can you say, have you how much improvement have you seen out of him in sort of that
1: area? Uh, I think it's been better, um, and I, obviously having this immense run game helps that because in place of those little check down swings, you can just run the ball and gain as many yards. But I, I think he has been a lot better uh, at those little check downs Uh, When you look at his passes, I mean, it's seven, two, three, one, nine yards. It's it is these little dump offs, and then he you for thirty. You know, uh, they had a ninety-eight yard passing touchdown, the longest score in program history, Uh, and so obviously that's going to conflate his four hundred yards. But from the numbers and just watching it, show that he's a lot better at these smaller plays, and he's hitting his guys when they're even if they're close to the line of scrimmage.
0: Yeah, no, and definitely. Um So yeah, you you guys get your uh, your win back from last season. Um you know, positive there. I didn't you say last week you were this was the first 3 and 0 in Georgia State's program history or did I get that wrong?
1: No, you're right. It's the first time ever um and which Keep in mind, very young program. We're 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 just over older than a decade old. The team is, um, and obviously, again, when you're when in in the uh, the second tier, if you will, you and end up having those kind of games like ULM had against Texas A&M. You just you're getting paid a lot of money to to fund your athletics department for a year and a half, but you're going to take a beat down. So they they scheduled a good slate of games that were. Um, in the case of UConn and Rhode Island, I th- very winnable, uh, and you expect to win those games. But I think Charlotte, I mean, it, is a great uh, opponent because you know you're going to play teams roughly that level. And um, so I, I thought it w- it's it's good that they they that schedule because if you schedule an A&M, if you schedule an Alabama, you're just going to get beat down
0: for sure. Um, and we'll see. I think we we talked about that Georgia State's um, schedule sort of tightens up in the second half rather than the first this year. So we'll we'll sort of see how that all shakes out. But like we said, Georgia State moves to three and zero this season. Charlotte drops to one and two. Man, getting into a game that I did not see coming at all—a a result that I find I found in, extremely surprising. South Alabama took Oklahoma state to the woodshed for four quarters. And it was an absolute beat down by the Jaguars. Um, Oklahoma state couldn't do anything. And I kept seeing the score updates and I was like, how is this possible that th- this is such like a one-sided contest, but uh, y- you didn't get a ton out of Carter Bradley. LaDamian Webb played really well, but Oklahoma state can't struggles to throw the football with all three of the guys that they had play quarterback in this one and they can't run the football. That's a, that's a recipe for disaster. So Matt, I know we talked about how this is, this was a shocking result. None of us, none of us, I think we all just quickly last week were like Oklahoma state is our pick. And then that was, that was basically the end of it. But what was maybe the most surprising aspect of this for you, Matt?
2: I think the thing that surprised me the most with this game was how dominant South Alabama was able to be. Because look, the the final ended up being thirty three to seven. Oklahoma State didn't get their touchdown until the fourth quarter, so we're talking about it was twenty three. It was twenty three to nothing at halftime. Before Oklahoma State was able to put points on the board. And then after that touchdown, they answer with a field goal, get the ball back, and a 65 yard touchdown run from LaDamian Webb, who had an outstanding football game in Stillwater. Um, Look, you know, you look at the total yards, South Alabama nearly doubled them. They won the turnover battle two to nothing. You know, just a dominant performance from start to finish. And while I'll say, I was shocked by the result. I'm not necessarily surprised. And, and what I mean by that is because we talked about it in the in, in the season preview, South Alabama is a damn good football team. And Oklahoma State's kind of, you know, on, on the downturn a little bit. Um, so I'm not surprised that South Alabama was capable of doing what they did Saturday night, but I am shocked at how dominantly it happened. Zeke uh
0: Mike gundy for Oklahoma states typically talked about as as like an offensive guru they've run them after of- me
2: I'm a man I'm 40
0: um that he's always been known to sort of cater what his offenses do well to the personnel he has right like he's had the the five wide sets he's run the ball out of you know 45 times a game I, chuba Hubbard I remember was a was a huge grinder for them uh Chris Carson, I think played there as well, so like they've had some real grinder running backs in this one they couldn't do anything, and so you know i I guess I guess this isn't so much of a question as it is you know i I saw people w- online that were saying that Oklahoma State should maybe be looking to sort of buy him out after a number of years there just because of this performance alone I think is what that I that's what I saw. They were like, T Boone Pickens is rolling in his grave at this at this result. So you have that three one, quarterbacks that can't throw the ball. I mean what what else can you
1: say? This feels that feels like an overreaction. Um I mean this team it's two and one. They lost, admittedly uh, a little embarrassingly so, but they lost to a really good football team. I, I am not of the opinion that you fire your is it his 18th 19th year with, with the team you don't fire that guy who uh, mind you also played at, at Oklahoma State as well. you don't you don't just fire him because because he lost one game. Oklahoma State obviously you got you got to be more weary. Uh, you play Ohio or Iowa State rather uh, this weekend. And if it's another, it's another shredding. Maybe you start to have those conversations. But I mean, I, I'm of the belief that Mike Gundy has to have a uh, an utter collapse of this team before it is a let's cut the contract short. You know, uh, do they resign him in a couple of years when whenever it's, it, it comes due? That's a separate question. Maybe you mutually decide, or you know, in air quotes, call it mutually decide. not not to sign him up, but I I don't think he'd buy him out after one loss, man. That that's ridiculous. Twitter. (laughs) That's just Twitter, man.
0: Um, you know, we talked about LaDamian Webb. He played really well for South Alabama. Uh, Kentrell Bullock played really well for South Alabama with 71 yards rushing. Um, and then Colin Lacey, the receiver for the Jaguars, one Oh four and two scores was really like what made the passing game go in this one. So, Just a complete domination all around by South Alabama. Um, I'll say this, and this will be the last thing we can say about Oklahoma State. They better pray that Tulane isn't on their schedule, because we saw what Tulane did to South Alabama. They may have to put in a running clock if they had to play Tulane this year. (laughs) Oklahoma State would be limping to the finish. So... With that, South Alabama moves to 2-1 and one this season. Oklahoma State drops to 2-1. and one. Matt, we'll get into your game here next. Louisiana beats the brakes off of UAB. Uh, again, I said this last week, and I, this was mostly me just being reactionary from the Louisiana-Old Dominion game. I didn't think Louisiana would win this game, but honestly, I had this as a coin flip because I... I was like, I don't have really a gauge in this early in the season for how good each of these teams are. But talk to me a little bit about what you saw and what did Louisiana do better in this game that you saw improve upon than they did a week ago when they
2: played Old Dominion? Before I get into this game fully, would what would you have said if the other night I told you, if I, if I could see the future, right? And when we're previewing this game, I said, hey, UL's 60-year senior quarterback is going to hurt his foot on the first offensive possession of the game. He's going to be out for like 6 weeks. And you you turn the keys to the offense to a red shirt freshman and he goes out and dominates. Would you believe me?
0: No and and yeah. it's mostly it's mostly because what we've seen out of other redshirt freshman quarterbacks this year with Barnett uh at James Madison and
2: uh, and Berger at App State I would have been like no it's not happening so Ben Woldridge got his foot rolled up on, on on the first possession of the first offensive possession of the game um he hobbles off to the sidelines ended up getting carted to the locker room uh we still don't know the full extent of the injury we do know that it will not require surgery and that he will be out for, as Coach Michael Desermo said, the foreseeable future. Um. So whatever whatever that entails. Uh, but look, you know, you talk about this performance. After the injury, when Zeon Chris first came in, to me at least, it, it looked like the game plan had become, okay, look, you know, our... Our play sheet, our our whole entire game plan is basically out the window now. Um, Let's just kind of make things happen, survive. Maybe we get a play or two to bounce our way and we could sneak out of here with a win. And then at the end of the first quarter, when the Cajuns finally started to move the ball a little bit, you get hit with a lightning delay. The game was delayed for two hours. And... Michael Desermo said after the game and on Monday at his weekly press conference that the rain delay couldn't have come at a better time because it gave them the opportunity to go back into the locker room, have all the quarterbacks huddle up, and go, okay, what works well for Zeon, what doesn't? They basically rewrote the entire play sheet. Um, and the Cadence came out after the rain delay and just absolutely just dominated. 27 straight points. Um, at one point, it was 41-3. to 3. Uh, you know, Zeon Chris gets 170 yards in the air, another hundred on the ground. Um, ju- the Cajuns had 300 rushing yards. Uh, against UAB, just an absolutely incredible performance. Gets you the opportunity to kind of rebuild that confidence after the loss to UAB. Um, and then defensively, man, seven sacks, two interceptions. Uh, the Cajuns defense sits second nationally right now. Uh, with 15 sacks through three games, uh, which has just been insane to watch. And, look, th- this group's fun. This group's exciting. They got back on the right track this week, and now you're going to bring in an 0-3 Buffalo team to Cajun Field this week uh, that, you know, the, the Cajuns are heavy favorites, and they should be. Um, the The biggest question now is, you know, you saw what Zion Chris could do when he steps into a, a game late. Now what's he going to do when he had a whole week to prepare and he knew for the entire, like, you know, this is my team. This is, I'm going to be the guy that takes the first snap. How different does he look? Uh, So that's going to be really fun to see. Uh, But look, wrapping up the conversation about the UAB game, just a dominant performance, both offensively and defensively.
0: Did you see what I was talking about with UAB, how they really don't even attempt to run the football at all? Like it's, it's even when they do it's super ugly. Like they just I don't know if they can't or they just don't want to invest the time, but that Trent Dilfer. Hey, maybe, hired, maybe
2: Trent Dilfer, maybe Trent Dilfer's just a air raid type of guy, who knows?
0: He's he's projected, you know how like when a dad like washes out of high school football and he like pushes his kid to be like you need so, to be so a pro he, so that player. So that dad can
2: live vicariously through his kid. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's doing that, but with an air raid offense instead of whatever he was doing <laughs> with the two thousand Ravens
2: on offense. He won a
1: Super Bowl. What's he got to be upset about? Oh,
2: don't don't even. Let, that, let's not act like they won the Super Bowl because of Trent Dilfer. Let's <laughs> let's
1: be very fair. Trent Dilfer, <laughs> most See, successful is- Ravens quarterback.
0: Zeke, this was before your That's time, not saying but, a lot. So let's. The- let's pipe down just a <laughs> tad they they this is they were one of the most ineffective offenses maybe to ever win a championship they they did almost
2: nothing on a weekly basis well, we're, let's see what Trent Dilfer's stats were that year they won the super bowl in 2000 correct yeah yeah okay so he threw for 1500 yards 12 touchdowns and 11 interceptions Completed
0: 59% of his passes. And and Zeke, again, I know I said this was before your time. I've got a really fun fact for you. Trent Dilfer is the only Super Bowl-winning quarterback to be replaced in the next season by another quarterback, which they did with Elvis Gerbach, I'm pretty sure was the
2: name of the guy that they brought in, who replaced Trent Dilfer. Yeah, I was about to say, he, he won a Super Bowl and then immediately went to Seattle.
0: Yeah, so that should tell you what the Ravens thought of him. That he won them a Super Bowl, and they went, "Okay, see you later. We can do this." Nah, with man. Nah, man. Ray Lewis won that Super Bowl. Ray Lewis won that Super Bowl, and then got into some extracurricular activities. Well, after we after don't after talk about that. Class. We don't need to. Talk we don't about talk it. about that. Those hey. guys just fell on their own knives. OJ OJ didn't do it. Listen. So he got he got into a he got into a, a, a alleyway with some shady looking characters. Those guys just fall fell on their own weapons. What what can you say? <laughs> OJ,
2: OJ didn't do it. I stand by it.
0: No, no, of course not. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Louisiana uh, moves to two and one with the win. They looked great. Uh, UAB, uh, like we said, may just not be it anymore. Um, they looked pretty good. Last year and this year has just been a big old yikes. Um, so getting into this next one here, this is going to be a quick run through. We we all foresaw this outcome. Uh, Coastal Carolina just drubs Duquesne 66-7. Shocking. I, I I, yeah, shocking. I, I don't really even know how much there is to say about it. Grayson McCall didn't even have to do all that much. I mean, Whatever. You know, it's one of those. It's like the score should have been what it was. So, like, really, how much is there to break down? I mean, I guess good for them that they didn't play down to their competition with Georgia State coming up on Thursday. But again, they they beat the brakes off of an FCS team, which is again what you would, what you what you're play. supposed to do, right? And as we've seen early in the season, not all teams do that when they play FCS schools. So we'll. Sure. We'll, we'll take that and give them their credit. They had a 100-yard interception return in the, in the second quarter to kind of close out the first half. So, you know, I, I'm looking at the, the win probability sheet on ESPN, and they, it was it was a, a, a line that just says Chanticleers across the board at 100%. So <laughs> that should sort of tell you what this was like. Uh, so Coastal moves a 2-1, Duquesne, who cares? Uh, Arkansas State... <laughs> Arkansas State, this next one, picks up their first win of the season after um, having a really rough go of it. We've discussed at length the issues with the Red Wolves, so maybe we should take a little bit more time than we we would normally talking about an FCS program, uh, a, a win over an FCS program, and sort of break down, I guess, what Arkansas State did well and I don't say this to be mean, but this might be one of the only times we have a chance to do this. So I think we need to talk about it and sort of give them their their just due. So Zeke, do you want to sort of break down what you like, what Arkansas State excelled at, and and maybe what surprised you, maybe what didn't?
1: Sure. So uh, first of all, thirty-one points, Arkansas State. Um, they got a hundred forty through the air. 345 through the ground, which I think when you when you look um, just at the box score, it that really jumps out. To get 345 rushing yards against any team is incredibly impressive. Um, and, and then you look, you know, further. It's Jaquez Cross, a running back who who does some work. Uh, you know, he's been he's been doing the work for them mostly this season, and he 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 led the way with 164 yards. Yeah. The problem is here. Of his yards, most of it came on a 66-yard rushing touchdown. And if you take away that, and you take away his 44-yard rushing touchdown, you're looking at a guy who ran the ball 13 times for 64 yards, which isn't bad, but isn't crazy good. I
2: was about to say, that's five yards of carry. Yeah.
1: Look. You, you can't erase the sixty six and the forty four.
2: Wow, I don't I don't want I don't want Zeke Palermo to be my coach if I'm a running back, because if if if, if my coach says, hey man, five yards to carry, just not gonna cut it.
1: Not here, here I've got I've got it pulled up. I, I need you to hear yeah. the these carries. All right. I've got oh shoot. Uh I've got I got a list of his carries here. Open to the game, first play of the game is a forty four yard rush. And then he goes for three. Which is fine. Then he goes for twelve. Then he goes for zero. We got another another one, a minus two, another one, another zero. He broke off these big runs, right? But they were few and far between, and it was against Stony Brook. I don't. I don't want to be the Debbie Downer here. And I, the look on both of y'all's faces is, is make, making me feel like I'm I'm the black sheep here and talking poor about a team after they won. But no, no. I, I you mean, asked why? what what can we take from this game. What, what can we take from this game? It's that they can rush the ball, but only in chunks. And if you can stop the chunk yards, they don't have a, a, a reliable run game. And if you take away the pass, I mean, the, the, you don't have to take away the pass. Uh, the, there's no pass game. That's uh, it, it, it's melancholic, That's right. and it's sad, and it's not what anyone wants to hear. But you, th- this is just not, yeah. it, not something I can be optimistic about.
2: This man just said melancholic. So what I'm going to throw out at you is what me and my former producer, uh, since I don't have my radio show anymore, um, used to say when, anytime we pulled out a big word. That, sir, is an educated-ass word. That's a $10 melancholic. word. Melancholic. Can you use it in a sentence, please?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I had a pretty pretty bad day. I'm feeling quite melancholic.
2: Language of origin? <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> maybe it's got that yeah. ch sound. Maybe maybe some sort of Germanic thing.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> so Matt, I have I have a question to throw to you, but before I do, I just want to I just want to reevaluate where we're at with Zeke here. So five yards of carry equal bad. Trent Dilfer's quarterbacking for the 2000
1: Ravens. Good
2: equals <laughs> good.
1: <laughs> Look, I, I know it, it, it's very much, you know, nerd push up the glasses moment. And you can't take away the 66 and the 44 and the couple of 12s. But I think just on a play-to-play basis, the, the running game wasn't that good. I, I wasn't blown away by it. And, again, I know you can't take it away, and Jaquez Cross for his entire life is always going to remember that 66-yard touchdown, right? We can't just poof, it's gone. But but from a pure, pure footballing perspective, you got to look a little deeper than the numbers, and I, I just don't think the, the rush game was that good. He just broke some really good runs off every now and then, a, a couple times over the course of the game.
0: So, Matt, the question I want to throw to you is, I guess the most glaring thing for Arkansas State is that J.T. Shrout didn't play quarterback for them in this game. Uh, they went with a couple other guys in Jalen Rayner and Jackson Daly. Um, do you think this this was just a, a a game to sort of get these guys' feet wet, or do you think that we've sort of seen the end of the J.T. Shrout era, I guess, I guess at Arkansas State?
2: I don't know. Um, I, I would like to think that it's just a... Uh hey, we figure we're supposed to win this game. If we don't win this game, we probably shouldn't be playing football anyway. Um, so let's give you know some of our young guys an opportunity. Uh, but look, Jalen Rayner's a good player. Um, so I, I could see him kind of competing with J.T. Shroud a little bit. Uh, but I, I don't think that they've seen enough yet. I mean, J.T. Shroud's only played two games Um so I would I would say give him a little bit more time before you you know make make the switch but you get 5 6 games into the season and you know you're just not seeing it out of him then obviously you can move on but I mean you look at it they opened the season with Oklahoma that doesn't really count. Um no they did not look good against Memphis at home like at all. Uh but uh, again I I just think it's way too early to to try to make that decision.
0: Sure. Uh so Arkansas State Picks up their first win of the season. They're one and two. Stony Brook drops to zero three with the loss. Uh, let's get into what was the game of the night uh, for the Sun Belt. James Madison goes into Troy and upsets the Trojans sixteen to fourteen. Uh, a real dog fight. Troy always catches themselves in these types of games where offense is at a premium, and uh, for some reason with Troy. It always seems to be at a premium. I don't really understand why. I mean, they have a killer defense, and offensively, they always are in these sorts of games where I feel like th- their offense just, I mean, I know they won the conference last year. Their offense is just not where you need it to be, I feel like, at this at this stage. Now, granted, I know they lost to App last year and then sort of rallied from there, but man, they've had a couple of performances this year like early that they have not looked great. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but for James Madison, Jordan McLeod comes out, he's efficient. I guess, Zeke, what, what impressed you most about what James Madison was able to do with Troy in this one? Uh, given that, you know, technically they're also on their backup quarterback. So so what do you what do you sort of have to to take away from this?
1: Uh, I think what I was most impressed by was that they kind of beat Troy at their own game, and that being like we're we're just gonna hunker down, we're gonna play with some really really good defense, and, and we're we're gonna make you take uh, try to take every chance you get, and, and ultimately that didn't happen. I th- I think it was impressive. Uh, Two weeks ago, against uh, Stephen F. Austin, Troy scored 48, and you know, say what you want, it's against uh, Stephen F. Austin. And then the following week at Kansas State, you, you held them to 13. You, you held Troy to as many points uh, as you know, top 25, top 20 Kansas State did, and and that's that's not something you can just shrug off. I, I was impressed by how well James Madison passed the ball. Uh, they threw for 200 yards on almost 70% uh, completion, and, and they ran the ball you know, pretty well uh, as well. And so I think just from a, from a whole holistic perspective, James Madison went in and beat Troy at their own game. And it, it's early to say it, but James Madison is going to get screwed again by, by the FBS eligibility rules because right now they look like the best team in the conference.
0: Yeah, so James Madison also, you know, you go through this game, jumped out to, you know, a 16-7 to lead through three quarters, and Troy was really lucky to even make try to pull it within two because, I mean, the game was essentially over. Troy just couldn't muster enough offense. Matt, I want to ask you this. Do we think that this is – it didn't happen last year. Do we think that this is the year where Troy's – lack of consistency on offense finally comes back to sort of bite them because South Alabama is lurking. They lost a 10 to six game to the Trojans last year. They obviously probably want revenge. So given what we've seen from Troy's offense, do you think that that, that Absolutely. has the potential to just bite them?
2: Absolutely. Um, and you know, look, John, John Summerall's a defensive mind. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to say offense isn't a priority to him, but that's not what he specializes in. Um, And so, yeah, I think that their lack of consistency, which you've really seen the last two or three seasons, not just last year. um, Yeah, I think that does finally come back to bite them. Uh, I think it's going to come down to, you know, it's going to be South Alabama. Maybe, you know, this might sound a little homerish of me, maybe Louisiana uh, makes a run at the West of this year. Troy's going to have to figure out the best way to utilize or or mix up their ground game and their passing game. Because we talked about it a little earlier. Kamani Vidal is having a great season on the ground, but they're not doing hardly anything through the air. Uh, so, you know, if you stay one-dimensional like that, teams are just going to take away your running game and force you to throw the football. And then And then what are you going to do? Um so Troy is going to have to get more consistent on both aspects of the offense because like you mentioned South Alabama, Louisiana, if Texas State continues to be for real uh the the West could get very interesting.
0: So one of the things you mentioned I you know you talked about Kimani Vidal and and I definitely agree. I think it was sort of an odd decision. I don't know if he was injured later in the game or whatever. I think it was sort of an interesting decision in, in a game that was this tight for much of it. You know, JMU scores a touchdown to make it 16-7 to with nine minutes left in the third. Kimani Vidal in this one, even as one of the nation's leading rushers, only had 11 carries. And it's sort of the complete flip, like opposite of what we have seen up to this point from Troy, where Troy just wants to kind of grind the ball out. In this one, they were like, let's just let it fly with Gunner Watson. And I again, I know they won the conference last year. This is sort of a Trent Dilfer situation. It was not on the back of Gunnar Watson. It was that defense is what did it. So, I mean, you can say whatever you want. I I just don't, I've never really been like a huge Gunner Watson guy. I've sort of had some real reservations about him. And he has games, you know, where it's like the numbers look great. They scored 14 points. So, like, you can say whatever you want. Like, you can throw for 300-plus yards and a couple scores, but if you are out of the game for much of it, then it's like, who knows?
1: Yeah, Um, I want to touch, before we wrap up with this game, on on two things. One, Sumrall came out and kind of owned up to not using Vidal. He's got a quote where he just says, we abandoned the run too early. Kamani's one of, if not our best players. Um, that may not be exact verbatim, but that was um, he was not hiding that what was being said. You didn't have to read between the lines to understand that. he realized that they they went away from their guns, what works for them too quickly. And so I don't think that's necessarily something to to worry about moving forward. I think that issue will be rectified. Um, but i I worry that this Troy defense, because sixteen points, heck of a game, keep it up, right? And, and this is similar to my my point about Arkansas State's uh, rushing game is that it, it might be built uh, you know resting on, on a house of cards and I say that because uh, we got three field goals from James Madison in this game. they came they were 28 36 and 32 which you subtract what 17 from each of those distances that that's from about the 11 and from about the 20 on the other two. James Madison was getting deep in, into the red zone, and they ultimately settled and took their points. But I'm concerned that Troy's, at, at some point, you, you can't, you know, hold the floodgates have to release at some point. And, and they didn't against James Madison. And I think Troy has Western Kentucky next. Uh, I don't think the floodgates are going to burst then, but at some point they will and those red zone stops, those inside the 30 stops, aren't going to keep happening no matter how good your defense is, it's not like they were forcing three outs. They were letting drives happen and then holding them once you got deep. I I worry in terms of longevity of this team's success if that's sustainable.
0: So with that, James Madison moves to a perfect 3 and 0 including 1 and 0 in conference play. Uh, and Troy drops to 1 and 2 and is now 0 and 1 in the conference. But you know, as we talked about, they also fell to app early last year and were able to sort of rally. So we'll see if if they are able to sort of pull it together once again. Uh getting into the last game of the night, this one is pretty much kind of an open and shut case, but what an offensive performance by Texas State. I mean, I know they play Jackson State, but putting up 77 and having TJ Finley look as good as he did, their backup Malik Hornsby had 133 yards rushing and, and led the team, the backup quarterback did. So, I mean, great performance all around by the Bobcats. Um, they're 2-1, and one, they're in the driver's seat, and they look like they're a team that's ready to really kind of disrupt things in the West. and. Maybe hand a team or two a loss that they weren't, you know, sort of banking on when they looked at their preseason schedule. But, uh, unless you guys have anything else to kick into this one, we can sort of transition. So, uh, getting into week four of Sunbelt play, uh, I've been keeping, uh, records of each of our picks and things like that and how they've all panned out. Um, I'm currently 13 and 12 this season making picks Zeke you are 11 and 14 uh and Matt week one you picked and went four and two and then this week uh you you talked yourself out of a lot of potential winners and now you are seven and eight for the season um so we'll see how that this sort of all shakes out but let's start in on uh tomorrow night well, I guess tonight when you're hearing it, because this will go up on Thursday, but Georgia State will take on Coastal Carolina in Conway. Coastal's a six-and-a-half-point favorite over under 62. Um, I'll start – I'm going to take Coastal here. Um, I, I like a lot of what I've seen from Georgia State this season. I just need to see it against a Sunbelt quality-level opponent. So this is a tentative – I'll take Coastal. I just they have a better quarterback and I think that, you know, with Sam Pinkney and and those guys, I think they can really, you know, do some damage to to Georgia State's defense and I don't know if Georgia State's going to be able to get off the field as much as they did on third down like this past week.
2: Yeah,
1: I uh I like Coastal here as well. Um although interesting of note in the six games that these two teams have played, the away team has always won. Um so Anecdote there, but I, I don't think that really continues here. I just, I, I believe that Georgia State is a far-improved team from what they were last year, um, and my, my tune on them has changed very quickly over the past, you know, since week one. My, my attitude about this team has swung drastically, uh, but I, I just don't it, – it's tough to root against a team as good as Coastal uh, at home.
2: It's very easy to root against Coastal, um, actually, but I have my I have my deepened deepened reasons. Uh, but no, look in, in this game, I, I'm actually I'm going to be the different one. I'm going to take Georgia State. Uh, you know, I, I think that this um, the the play of Darren Granger and the play of Marcus Carroll has really given them an extra boost of confidence. Uh, Sean Elliott wants to prove that he's actually a pretty decent coach um and and i think that they go to conway and pick up a big win all right so we'll we'll see if that that ends
0: up playing out um i think it, it would won't. be hu- it would be huge for georgia state to start 4-0 including a win over coastal for sure everybody so- likes to
2: see me lose it won't it won't play out
0: <laughs> uh so let's start in on saturday uh, Noon Eastern Time kick on ESPNU. Troy is hosting Western Kentucky. Yeah, um, they are. Troy is a three and a half point favorite at home, over under and under 58.5. Gross. Western Kentucky has not played anybody of their caliber this season. Um, I mean, they played South Florida, I think, in the opener, and then they played an FCS team in game two, and then they got beat like a drum last week against Ohio State, which. I mean, it's Ohio State. But Austin Reed is still the quarterback for the Hilltoppers. He's been good, seven touchdowns, one pick. I'm going to take Troy in the three-and-a-half at home. I think Troy is more battle-tested, especially having coming off a, a game against James Madison. And I think that they're able to sort of basically do what they did in the bowl game last year against UTSA. So, which is just totally shut down an explosive offense. So, I think that they're mad after losing last week, and I think that they come out and get their revenge. So, I'm going to take Troy in this one. Um,
1: yeah, I've got I've got Troy as well uh, easily here. I think, especially if Sumrall wasn't just you know blowing hot air and, and is going to stick with Vidal on the ground, and you know he did. We talked about earlier; he's the fourth joint fourth leading rusher in the country and if you let him do that it, it it's going to be a walk in the park i also really like this over under at 58 and a half take the under right that that feels like easy money um i, I it really seems like troy is probably going to shut down western kentucky you know even if he, they keep them to, to 21 I, i'm not certain troy can score uh 21 against uh, a team that uh put up only 10 admittedly against a really good ohio state team but Give me the under here for sure,
2: Matt. See, I disagree. I think this is going to be a points fest. Um, I mean, look, Western Kentucky has proven time and time again that they are a point scoring team. i
1: mm-hmm. mean, sure,
2: like they they only scored ten against um, Ohio State, but in their other two games, they averaged forty six and a half points a game. Mm-hmm. Granted. You're playing South Florida and Houston Christian. But like th- their offense, even when Bailey Zappi was there, I mean, Bailey Zappi set the single-season record for passing yards in a season. This team puts up points and puts up points at will. Um, look, they played each other last year. Troy was able to get the win 34-27. Uh, to 27. Um, So just basing it off of last year's game, I'm, I'm going to take the over here. Um, and I'll take Troy to win it.
0: I was going to ask, where, where's Troy's points coming from in that case? <laughs> because we haven't really seen it from him this year.
2: Kamani Vidal, baby. He has four touchdowns. All right. All right. We'll, we'll see.
0: Um, so getting into another noon Eastern time kick on ESPN2, Virginia Tech is traveling to Huntington to take on Marshall. Marshall is a five-point favorite at home against an ACC school uh, this is a revenge game for Hokies quarterback Grant Wells, who used to play for Marshall and has since transferred to Virginia Tech. Maybe a gigantic mistake. We'll see if, if that bears out. But uh, I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to take Marshall. I feel like I'm just picking like every favorite in these, but Virginia Tech looked really bad week one against Old Dominion. I mean, it was 36-17 to was the final in that one. Um I think Marshall just runs it right down their throat with Rasheen Ali. So I I think I think the final score of this one could be like 21 to 14, to be totally honest, but that's still more than five. So give me give me Marshall. Neither one of these teams I don't see scoring a ton a ton of points.
1: Yeah, I, I like Marshall here as well, especially at home, especially coming off of a really early bye. You, you gotta make these wins count. You gotta grab these wins when you get them, because with that early bye week, week 11, week 12, you know, towards those final four or five games, it's just going to be tough on everybody in that organization, or, you know, in the program. So it's crucial that they grab these wins now while they can, while they are still fresh. I, I think they do it, and certainly at home.
2: What's that saying? You don't know what you have till it's gone? Grant Wells returns to the Joan. He's gonna miss that environment now that it's against him. Uh, he's going to miss Rasheen Ali being his running back when he watches Ali torch his defense for two hundred yards. Um, give me Marshall and give me Marshall big. Yeah. Uh, again, not Virginia
0: Tech has not looked good at all this season. So yeah, Marshall seems like a almost like a layup uh, in this next one. Um two o'clock Eastern Time kick. Uh Georgia Southern is traveling to Muncie, Indiana, uh, to take on Ball State. Ball State's one of those teams through three games that has yet to play anybody on their sort of caliber. Their schedule went Kentucky week one, they got blown out. Georgia week two, they got blown out, shockingly. And then FCS Indiana State, week three, they got they won big. So They've yet to play a team of their caliber. We'll sort of see how that all slides in. Uh, I think Georgia Southern wins this game, but I'm going to take the over of 61. Um, I can't really pick Georgia Southern against the spread until I see Davis Brin stop throwing interceptions. So until that day comes, I think both teams will score points. However... Again, until a guy stops throwing five interceptions in a game, I, I just can't, in good faith, pick them against the spread. Ball State upset. Uh,
1: I got to go Southern here. I just I haven't seen anything from Ball State that I, I love. You know, not head over heels enthralled with what Southern has done so far either. But uh I, I mean, obviously, yeah, they were going to get blown out by Kentucky and Georgia and they were going to romp Indiana State. So I, I, ju- I can't pick a team that I don't know what I'm getting out of them. G- give me Southern against the spread.
2: This man said enthralled. Another educated-ass word.
1: Been studying the thesaurus, man. Have you not? Well, look, it's Georgia a State. A
2: Georgia Georgia Southern. Um, look, I think they're the better team here, but... Brian, I'm kind of going to agree with you. The whole Davis Bryn interception thing really concerns me, and I think he has another bad game in that department. And Ball State capitalizes on it. I'm not going to say it's a pretty game. I'm not going to say it's some you know barn burner, but I, I think Ball State sneaks out, uh, or uh, it's a home game for Ball State. Um, I, I think they end up picking up a win.
0: Yeah, and and I mean historically, also Georgia Southern just doesn't play well on the road in general. So, even if you were saying that Georgia Southern is going to win close, I wouldn't I wouldn't really argue with you all that much, just because, like I said, historically away from Paulson Stadium, they don't they don't play up to snuff a lot of times. Uh, getting into this next one here, this is going to be quick. Old Dominion is getting fed. Texas A&M Commerce at home at 3:30 Eastern Time. Uh they should be able to romp this team, pick up their second win in the season.
2: Southland Conference stand up, baby.
0: You got you got a, a a horse in the race
2: in the Southland Conference? I mean, look, we we cover McNeese State. So, like I mean, go Pokes. Uh but look, Texas A&M Commerce is horrible. horrible Um, look Old Dominion should just destroy these guys for sure
0: Uh, so getting into this next one here 5 o'clock eastern time kick Central Michigan is coming down to Mobile to take on South Alabama um, who is coming off of an absolute romp of Oklahoma State like we talked about Central Michigan's another one of these teams that hasn't played anybody on their level yet because their schedule has gone blowout loss at Michigan State. They barely beat FCS New Hampshire at home by three points. And then they go to South Bend to get blown out by Notre Dame week three. So I think the Jaguars, I think it would be a huge letdown if the Jaguars didn't completely roll in this one. So I'm going to take the Jaguars and the 15 just based off of how they played last week. But I feel like I've seen South Alabama do this where they play a team where they just are a double digit favorite and they just sort of mail it in. But I'm going to, I'm going to roll with them for now and and see how it goes. Zeke. Uh,
1: No, Zeke, go ahead. All right. So I, I like the Jags here as well. But this could be something sneaky here. Uh, we, we're not sure what we're getting out of Central Michigan. But last season, this was a team that won four games total. The Chippewas did. Uh, but in those losses, they, they only lost by, by 14, you say, only. But, you know, close considering how good South Alabama was last year when, when uh, the Jags played Central Michigan. They lost, again, only by 14 to Oklahoma State. This, this is a team that could be sneaky, um, but uh, i got to go with the Jaguars because, again, uh, I can't pick a team that I don't know what I'm getting.
2: This game is going to be ugly with a capital UG. I mean, look, South Alabama is, you know, they, they want to continue on this path, especially after the way that they played against Oklahoma State. On Saturday, they want to continue to prove that they're better than that season-opening game to Tulane. And I think that the Chippewas are a team to do that. You you look at the numbers, Central Michigan as an offense is averaging 309 yards per game of total offense while giving up 507. So their defense is not good. Carter Bradley's going to have a field day at home LaDamian Webb has another big game on the ground. South Alabama wins big.
0: Yeah. Uh, so getting into this next game, 7 o'clock Eastern time kick on CBS Sports Network. App is traveling all the way across the country to Laramie, Wyoming, to take on the Cowboys. Um, Wyoming is actually a three-point favorite at home. over forty-two and a half. 42 and a half. So Wyoming, just for context, played Texas really close last week and took it down to I believe it was the fourth quarter before Texas ultimately pulled away. I'm going to take App here. I think that was Wyoming's Super Bowl for the year. I think that was like their biggest accomplishment, was, which was we took the number four team all the way to the fourth quarter. And I think that App rolls in and just beats them pretty handily. And then Wyoming's like, whoa, we need to recalibrate. So, sorry to Craig Bowl and the cow pokes, but I'm taking Mountaineers uh, plus three. I think they win the game just outright.
1: I I think I like that pick, but again, I'm, I'm hesitant here because like Texas was last week, App State likes to start games really slow. And that's kind of been their trademark over the past two, three seasons is kind of n- not phoning it in, but starting really, really slow. And I think if they don't turn it on until, you know, halfway through the third, uh, you know, those final dying minutes of the third quarter, it, it could be too late. And I guess that's a worry you have every week with App State, but we saw Wyoming, you know, go, go the distance with Texas last week. And Texas is a far better team than App State. So I I like App State here. Um, I I think they they get the upset, but this could be another you know go the distance type game.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna agree. Um, look, this is gonna be a, a better game than probably most people are expecting. I like the three point spread. I, I think this game is pretty evenly matched. Um, but look, if App State can go in and and play. Their style of football, you know, Joey Aguilar, get the ball out to his playmakers, run the ball with Nate Noel. Um, It it kind of feels like a game. App State should go on the road and win. Now, one thing I am worried about, App State does play in in elevation. I mean, Boone, North Carolina is not flat, but it's also not Laramie, Wyoming. Um, So the, the elevation factor, you know, People think, oh, well, you know, that's not really a big deal. When you're a running team, it's a big deal. Your running backs are going to get tired. Your offensive line is going to get tired. Um, so how does App State adjust to that? It is going to be interesting to see. But give me App in a close one. So one of the biggest
0: reasons, and I know this is just like a cursory, like I looked at the stats really quick and just got a snapshot. One of the cursory reasons I picked App two was, Wyoming's just lack of a passing game. Like, yep. their starting quarterback with the most attempts has 350 yards passing through three games. So he's basically averaging, what, one, 113 or so? what Whatever, 120 per per game. And then if you factor in the backup who's got 136 yards, they're averaging 162 yards passing per game. They run the ball really well. They have multiple you know, rushers who are in the five, six yards of carry range. But I think if you are not a balanced team and you can't show that you have the ability to throw the football against App, I think it's going to be a long day. So that's mainly the reason I think I like the Mountaineers in this one. Um, getting into this next one here, we break into some Sunbelt play. Uh, Southern Miss is going to travel to Jonesburg to take on Arkansas State. Uh, Southern Miss is a seven-point favorite. over is forty-nine. I think Southern Miss wins this game, but I don't like how either of these teams have looked as of late. I'm going to take the under of forty-nine. I think this one could be really ugly score-wise, and I just don't—I don't feel really strongly either way about either of these teams. But I think Southern Miss wins, and I just don't. Neither one of these teams score a ton of points, so that's mas- mostly where I'm at with it.
1: Uh, I think he hit the nail on the head. This is going to be just a really sloppy, unfun for anybody kind of game to watch. Um, uh, I'll take Southern Miss because I I think uh, Arkansas State is in a state of such disarray. uh, But that it that it supersedes the uh the there there's another word for you there Matt uh that it supersedes just how poor and as I said earlier zero dimensional the Southern Miss offense looks right now. Arkansas State is just a whole tier lower. And um so I agree with you. Give give me Southern Miss minus seven and certainly hit the under.
2: The man continues with the do you read the Sothoris for fun
1: not these days but as a kid i, I yeah i did
2: oh so you were ugh, like i hate that i'm about to say this because i was such a mean person in school um so you were the kid that everybody would look at and go nerd
1: yeah, uh, I'm not gonna hide it. Yeah, uh, realistically, you asked me to dig deep. Let's not act like I, you know, just graduated high school. This is a couple years back, man. But, um, I, I, I have my nose in a the book. There's no shame. Uh, man loves, love,
2: this man loves synonyms.
1: Who Matt do you have here, Matt? you
2: into a locker? Look, <laughs> let's get back to football. Um, <laughs> look, I, I think this game is another one of those. I, I used this line earlier. It's uglier than ugly. Um, Look, neither one of these teams has really, you know, been impressive. Um, I think it's a, you know, who's got the better mental fortitude in this game? Look, I'm I'm even coming out with my own educated ass phrases. Uh, Give me Southern Miss, and and I'm not even, I'm honestly not even confident in that pick, but uh, give me Southern Miss and the under. I I feel pretty
0: confident at least picking Southern Miss like just as a winner just because who is Arkansas State's quarterback going to be? Do we even feel like we we have a handle on who that is? So you know they played what Stony Brook last week and none, neither of their quarterbacks looked good. So like Southern Miss has got a better defense than Stony Brook. Um, so moving on here, another seven o'clock Eastern Time kick. Nevada is going to travel to San Marcos. Uh, and take on Texas State. Texas State's a 17-point favorite over under 59. I'm going to take the over in this one. I think Texas State wins. I think 17 is a ton of points. They probably cover, but they just put up 77 last week on Jackson State. I, I think they can really score some points, and the only way that I think this could be a loser is if the final score is like 45-3. to and Nevada just gives you absolutely nothing, but I think Texas State's kind of looking to run it up. I mean they're they they've got a dynamic offense, and and I think they're looking to put some real points on the board and sort of put everybody on notice. So if Nevada gives you anything at all, I think I think it hits the over in this one.
1: I like Texas State uh, minus seventeen here as well. Interestingly, last season these teams played, Nevada beat Texas State. Uh, Nevada was at home the Wolfpack then proceeded to lose 10 straight. Um, and I say that not as a means of saying Nevada is not good and won't, but will be able to t- upstate upset Texas state again, but rather Nevada is not a good team. And I, I don't think they can upset Texas state again from what we've seen the past couple weeks. This offense is, is really, really good. And, uh, I mean, Kansas hung 31 Idaho hung 33 on this team. So, I, I just do not have any faith that Nevada has the ability to freeze what has, as you said, Brian, a really dynamic and fun to watch offense.
0: Idaho, just for reference, is an FCS program. So and they beat them by twenty seven points uh at home or in Nevada. So that should sort of tell you where Nevada's at, like as a program. But Matt, go ahead.
2: Yeah, look, GJ Kinney's offense has proven week in and week out so far. Uh, they can put up points. They can play. Um, this is a totally different Texas State team than we've seen in, in recent years. Um, I think the streak of Louisiana beating Texas State is in dire jeopardy in two weeks. Um, look, I mean, no disrespect to Nevada, but they're not good. And Texas State has been very impressive thus far. So give me Texas State big at home.
0: Since we do do a sunbelt podcast, I I love I do love the little minor fact that the sunbelt was just just absolutely did away with Nevada and was just like go go out west somewhere. You guys don't belong right. here. <laughs> just kick go somewhere in New else. Mexico state out. See you later. We got we got bigger fish to fry. See you later. Right. <laughs> we got to we got to get coastal in here. We got to get James Madison in here. Uh 7:30 Eastern Time kick Buffalo is traveling to Cajun Field to take on Louisiana. Buffalo looks like one of the worst teams in the country, just flat out. Uh hold on, I'm pulling up their schedule. But Matt, I'm going to go ahead and tip my hand. I'm taking Louisiana minus nine and a half. I will hold you. Pers- you I will t- hold you personally responsible if they do not cover this spread against a bad Buffalo team.
2: And that's um, very fair I mean, because let me tell you something: the big dog's going to eat this Louisiana running game is going to absolutely eat against Buffalo. The one thing that concerns me about Buffalo is their quarterback can air the ball out and the Cajuns have kind of struggled at times um, from a secondary perspective. Uh, So I'm really interested to see that matchup. And then again, like I mentioned, the running game, Uh, you know, Buffalo is allowing 230 yards on the ground per game so far this year uh, so I think that's right up the alley for the Cajuns uh, Draylen Washington's coming back from injury this week after missing the last two games uh, so I think he has a big coming out party after rushing for 90 yards and a touchdown in the season opener uh, give me Cajuns minus nine and a half
1: yeah uh, not much to add here Matt, Matt's the Louisiana guy he, he knows what he's talking about I think it's pretty open shot here
0: yeah, just for reference, uh, we were running down the losses for Nevada. Buffalo has lost to Wisconsin at, in Wisconsin. Not terrible. Then they lost by three points to FCS Fordham at home. And then they got beat 55-28 against Liberty at home last week. So, again, I'm picking the Cajuns. I will hold Matt personally responsible if they do not cover. Uh, there's absolutely no there's no reason on earth they shouldn't.
2: I volunteers tribute. <laughs>
0: um, so getting into the last game of the night, eight o'clock Eastern time, James Madison is traveling to Logan, Utah Maverick stadium. Uh, we'll see if we'll see if they play like top guns or not. Uh, James Madison is a six and a half point favorite over under is 52 and a half. um, this should be an easy one for James Madison, even on the road. I know, Matt, I don't know where elevation sort of stands in Utah or not, uh, or in this part of Utah, but I like James Madison minus six and a half. Utah has lost to Iowa, which is fine. They put up 78 on Idaho State in week two, and then they just lost by air Force, lost to Air Force by 18 last week. So I think... Uh, James Madison coming off of a huge win over Troy. I think they just keep it rolling. I don't I don't really think there's any reason to to think that Utah State even really scares them in this one.
2: Unmuted. Okay. Um yeah, I'm going to go with um James Madison here just because I really like the way that they have played through a couple of games. I'm not a huge fan of their quarterback thus far. Uh, but their running game has been has been pretty solid. Black has two hundred and twenty eight yards. Uh, Kalon Black through three games, he's averaging six point two yards per carry. Um, now don't get me wrong. As a Sun Belt lifer, I have a ton of respect for Blake Anderson and, and you know what he's been able to do as a coach. But I, I think that there is something off with with Utah State, and James Madison is very confident in their abilities right now. Um, I, I don't think it's a blowout. Uh, what's the, what's the line on it? JMU minus six and a JMU half? Six and a half. Yeah. I'm I'm going to take that. Cause I could see this being a, a 10 point game. Uh, so give me JMU minus six and a half.
1: Yeah. Initially, uh, I, I was willing to give Utah state the look because, um, they played a, what at face value looks a, like a really good game against Iowa. Uh, that game ended 24-14. Iowa at the time was ranked 25. Um, but that game was not as close as it appeared. Um, Utah State scored in the final two minutes to make that one closer. And even against Air Force, uh, Utah State had a had a late touchdown that, you know, game probably could have ended 39-14 instead of 39-21. So I, I think James Madison keeps going. They bring it to 4-0, and, uh, you know, we'll just – it's going to be waiting for them to lose a game at this point.
0: Zeke, I don't know. I don't know if you keep up with what's going on at Iowa at all, but uh, twenty four to fourteen is a blowout in the eyes of the Hawkeyes because they points uh, to say they're at a premium would be a bit of an understatement. Uh, they have a clause in their offensive coordinator's contract that if they don't average what was it twenty six or twenty seven points per game, that he loses his job at the end of the season. So and he's the, the coach the head coach's son, so like that's <laughs> that's a really interesting dynamic of what's happening in in uh, Iowa City. Um, but yeah, that does it off all of our picks. Um, just a reminder before I kick it over to you guys, if anybody wants to uh, contribute questions, has comments, anything like that, feel free to email us at warmweatherfans at gmail.com. Um, but other than that, Zeke, where can the folks find you on social media? And then we'll kick it over to Matt and sort of wrap it up here.
1: Yeah. I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O, uh, tweet about the pod, tweet about, uh, you know, I, I cover Georgia State. So tweet, uh, about the Panthers there. And, uh, most recently you can find my definitive, uh, Sunbelt rankings for how I think every coach in the conference can dance, um, uh, I'm really proud because I, I put a lot of time and effort into that. And um, I think if that's the, the sort of content you enjoy, uh, worth the follow. Matt, I know you're also on Twitter. Kick it over to you.
2: Yeah, I'm at, uh, at matt on Twitter. Um, and also going back to the email thing, please do. Uh, we need all the ideas to, to stump Mr. Palermo and make him feel like a child. Uh, so, I'm, I'm, Brian and I are starting to run out of ideas, so we could use some help.
0: I've actually got a couple I've been kicking around, so we'll see. We'll see. I, oh. I'll contribute mine. So you've next been holding week. out on me. No, that's yeah, what it is. No, there's a specific time period of that we have yet to hit when we when we have these. So I'd like to, I'd like to brainstorm and then come back next week with one. I think it'd be it'd be pretty interesting to see where Zeke was at at that point in his life as always you can find me on Twitter at watch the stone we will be back next week to wrap up all of these games we just previewed and then talk future games on the warm weather fans Sunbelt podcast